Hey everyone, welcome to A Millennial Learns with me, Abby Rancor. This podcast is a place to learn about faith, theology, politics, history, and some fun random things along the way. Let's dive in. Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of A Millennial Learns. Thank you all for listening. And today we're going to be talking about such an interesting topic to me. I had never actually taken the time to go fully do the research necessary to talk intelligently about this. So I finally decided to go do that. Um, and that is the gender pay gap. So before I did any research on the gender pay gap, I heard all these statistics all the time about how women were getting paid much less than men for doing the same job. Everyone says that same job, same pay that is what they're demanding. And I kept hearing numbers like 80 cents on the dollar. You know, there's like women's marches and protests about all this. And um, so I had heard that the studies that were done for this that get that like 80% number or 60% number or whatever was done based on just median income. So like all women are making about this and all men are making about this, like regardless of what job or industry or anything. Um, So I think those, I always thought that the numbers were highly, highly inflated, but I never took the time to go like find the articles that would tell me what the study actually said. And so that's what I decided to do because I want to be able to talk intelligently about the gender pay gap because I noticed, especially in engineering, so many women are constantly playing kind of the victim card about being discriminated against or, or not getting good pay. And I personally have never experienced that. I work at a a large engineering company that has like pay grades that are very, they're very calculated based on like experience and what school you graduated from. And if you had internships with the company and all of that stuff. So it's like they put it into a calculator, get your base salary. You can negotiate a little bit uh, if you want to, but we'll get into all that later, but it's very calculated. So I've never seen any sort of like, oh, oh, I'm just getting paid less because I'm a woman sort of thing. But so I was skeptical about it. um, And I just wanted to go get educated about what is actually happening with gender pay, not only here, but in other countries as well. Because we see things like the Women's March and all these protests and commercials and all of this for equal pay. And it's always equal pay for an equal job. And I know that that is illegal to just simply pay someone less based off of the fact that they are a woman. Um, So that's why I was kind of skeptical about it. So we'll get right into the research about kind of what I found. Okay, so the first place I went to to go look for data about this was called payscale.com. And this, if you read, it is definitely leaning towards that women are paid less. It's unfair. It's because of discrimination. It's like very, very, it's a very left-leaning website. So if we go look at the numbers on payscale.com that they... Uh, put forward. They say that women earn, they did a study where women earn 81 cents for every dollar a man makes, which does seem really bad. You know, 81 cents on the dollar is a very big gap. Um, But I kept reading in that section and that number of 81 cents is what they call the uncontrolled pay gap, which means like I had assumed and like I had heard, um, That is a median salary for all men and all women, regardless of what job they do, what industry they're in, or years of experience or anything like that, degrees. So literally just like, here's all of women, they make um, X amount, and then all of men make 
more than them. So that's the gender pay gap. And that's what so many people quote. When people are marching the street, they always quote the like 81 cents on the dollar or 78 cents on the dollar. There's like slightly different numbers for what study you use. But the point is they always seem to use the uncontrolled pay gap. So once you scroll down a little bit further on that page, it's normalized for age, um, experience, industry. And once it's normalized, women get paid 98 cents on the dollar. So it's a 2% pay gap as opposed to 19%. So technically it's not a 0% pay gap, but um, it's much better than 19. So um, my first reaction to that was like, is this what we're marching in the streets for? It's like, 2% of a difference, which I think has an explanation as well, which I'll get into as we continue. But um, yeah, that was shocking that they actually on a super left website put in a 2% as the pay gap, because usually they're not so open with that information, but it's like a huge, you just keep scrolling. It's like normalized 98%. So that is not as bad as I think a lot of people made it out to be. Um, we're going to look at, at why. So in order to look at why, I want to take a slight detour over to the big five personality test. You know, I like personality tests. I did a whole episode on the Enneagram and if Christian should be using it. But this one, I think, is very, very useful for telling the difference between men and women. So there's a, a doctor in Canada called, he's a clinical psychologist that uh, has done a bunch of lectures um, in Canada and now around the world. But he and his colleagues developed this big five personality test, same as Jordan Peterson. So him and his colleagues developed this big five personality test. And you can take it by going to understandmyself.com. So um, I went and took it, this was like months back, unrelated to when I was studying for um, the gender pay gap. I just thought it was interesting and I really liked Jordan Peterson. So I went on his website and took that. You can only take it once so that you don't like get familiar with the questions and kind of try to, I don't know, fit your answers to what you want to be like. It's like a normalized uh, thing. They want good data about like men and women and conservatives and liberals. Although they didn't ask if I was conservative or liberal or anything, but they have in the control group that kind of um, this was based off of. So I took it and it definitely seemed accurate with like my personality, but the big five traits that they kind of have an eye out for are agreeableness, conscientiousness, extroversion, neuroticism, and openness to experience. So those are the five. So we'll go through each one of them and kind of explain what each one means. And if men and women are found to be higher or lower in these, because I think it's going to be relevant for later. So Okay, so the first big five trait is agreeableness. All of these break out into multiple sections, um, but for most of them, I just did the overall trait. So agreeableness is the dimension of interpersonal interaction, it says, and it has two aspects of compassion and politeness. So people who are more agreeable are more compliant, nurturing, um, and kind, and more implicitly trusting and want to avoid conflict. So people low in in agreeableness like conflict, and they can sometimes come across as like stubborn or harsh, uh, super competitive, and sometimes like predatory, it says, in kind of the most extreme case. So I scored very low in agreeableness, but most women are much more agreeable than men. So the 
percentile for women is 61.5% of um, more agreeableness, and for men it's 38.5%. So he says this explains the high rate of um, males being incarcerated. So uh, average criminal is going to be more disagreeable than 98% of the general population, and then all of those criminals almost all of them will be male. So there's a a disbalance there because males at the extremes are much more disagreeable than women. It also, he also mentions that uh, people who are more agreeable, much more agreeable tend to go into jobs that want to be, or that are associated with people like teaching and nursing. Um, And you can see that women dominate teaching and nursing and more disagreeable people prefer things like engineering and trades because it's more centered around things instead of people. The next trait is conscientiousness. Um, I got tested as moderately high in conscientiousness. Basically, it's a measure of obligation, attention to detail, hard work, persistence. They tend to react badly to failure and have shame and guilt when they're unoccupied or unemployed, even if it's like not their fault. Um, So there's a big emphasis on personal responsibility if you're conscientious. And women tend to be more conscientious than men. So tend to take criticism harder um, but are very like detail oriented and hardworking. Uh, the next one is extroversion. I got very high on extroversion, um, and women tend to be more extroverted by men, um, or than men by a small fraction, uh, 52% to 48%. Uh, the next trait is called neuroticism, which sounds so bad. Um, but basically it's just a sensitivity to negative emotions, anxieties, Um, so I got moderately low, uh, neuroticism, which, so this is the primary dimension he says of negative emotion. So low neuroticism, you tend not to focus on the negative elements of the past or worry too much about the future. You tend to have high self-esteem and females tend to be higher in neuroticism than males at a 60, 40 split. And he also mentioned a very interesting thing that we're going to touch on later too. Um, the highest difference between men and women in neuroticism is in Norway and Sweden, where they are constantly ranked on the highest level of being egalitarian, which is like equalizing the outcome, like equality of outcome. Um, so they're trying to get more women into, into like STEM and male dominated fields, but their neuroticism ranks much higher in those countries. Um, the more egalitarian it is. He also, I know that it has a negative connotation, but I did I talk or I I almost said I I talked to him. I did not. Sometimes I listen to podcasts and I'm like, oh yeah, I talked to Dak Shepard the other day or I talked to Jordan Peterson's like no, I just listened to him on a podcast. But um basically he was saying that yes, it's more in tune with negative emotion, but it is an advantage for women, like from an evolutionary perspective, because if you have to care to it for a newborn for obviously longer than the man does because of like breastfeeding or um, whatever, if you're the primary caretaker, it's very important to be sensitive to negative emotion if you're going to take care of a newborn well, because you need to hear kind of what they want and need. Um, and so it actually can play a huge advantage in like family life of women. And then the last trait, the big five trait is openness to experience. Mine was moderately high. This one, I, I did go into like the sub traits. It's split up into intellect and openness. Cause it's really funny because I got moderately high, but I got 
very high in intellect, which doesn't mean IQ. It's not like how smart you are. It's just how interested you are in like new and abstract ideas. Um, how much you want to learn and think about like philosophy, the meaning of belief systems, ideologies, things like that, which definitely explains this podcast because it's exactly why I started this is like explore abstract ideas and thinking. So I scored very, very high in intellect, but very low in openness, which is like creativity. So that's like, if you need a creative outlet, if you find beauty, um, in things, if you are super imaginative and kind of think like things that are unique, you're going to be pretty high in openness. Mine was like very, very low for that. So intellect and the, the wanting to kind of like think of new abstract ideas, more men tend to be, uh, heavy in that 55 to 45 split. And for openness, women tend to be more open at 56 to 44%. So, um, Overall, when it rolls up, there's like not a huge male-female difference in that one, but in the openness, like creativity versus just thinking about philosophy and belief systems and stuff, um, those are different between women and men. So I go all through all that to say that I think some of those characteristics that are inherent between men and women can help to explain parts of the gender pay gap. And I think looking at some of those characteristics, if you do fall into like this typical like women are more open, less on intellect, or more agreeable. If you find yourself like getting paid less in the workforce, you can look and see, okay, do I need to go negotiate more? Should I be less agreeable in this situation? So I think this is going to help explain a lot, but I'll get into all that um, after this. First, let's look at the reasons for the uncontrolled pay gap. So one of the biggest uh, reasons for this pay gap in the uncontrolled version. So that's where women make 81 cents on the dollar. A huge portion of that pay gap is because of what industry you go into. So I'm going to list really quick the top 10, the top 10 male dominated fields, and then the top 10 women dominated fields with their salaries. So software engineer makes 105,000. It's only 19% women. Farmers, 24 0.4% women has a $71,000 average salary. Construction, construction is only 10% women. If you are just like an entry level construction worker, it the salary is 36%, but as soon as you get to a manager, it's like 95,000 um, a year. Financial analysts, 40% women, $85,000 a year. Aerospace engineers, 7.8% women, 116,000 a year. So I'll probably post this entire list, but it goes on and on like that. So there are many, many jobs that are male dominated that have very high salaries, close to a hundred thousand or over. Now women dominated fields, here's the top five teachers, dental hygienists make 74, speech language, pa speech language pathologists, $77,000, dental assistants, $38,000, childcare workers, 23,000. Admin assistants, 38,000. Medical records and health infotechs, 40,000. Dietitians and nutritionists, 60,000. Hairdressers and cosmetologists, 24,000. And medical assistants, 33,000. I said I was going to read five, but I read 10. But those are the median salaries for women dominated fields. As you can see, the ones that are in the women dominated category, 
they don't need a lot of school or extra like degrees. I mean, speech language patch speech language pathologists do and dental hygienists. And those are the two that are competitive with the male dominated field salaries. Things like childcare workers, dental assistants, admin assistants, and dietitians all, you know, dietitians, I guess, can need um, a degree for sure, or some certification. Um, But a lot of them don't need an extra degree. So it's natural that they would get paid a little bit less. If you notice, most of the male-dominated industries are either labor-intensive or focused around things and not people. So it's so farmer, construction worker, or firefighter are three of the male-dominated industries. Those are all very labor-intensive, and women are s- smaller physically. Um, and then the other ones are like, let's see, software engineer, aerospace engineer... TV, camera operators, uh, architecture, pilots, financial analysts. All of those are focused around things and being analytical. And um, and if you remember, the big five personality test said women are much more agreeable than men are. And agreeable people like to have careers usually that are focused around people helping people, which we can see because a lot of the women um, dominated fields do care for people like childcare assistant, admin assistant, hairdresser, dietitian, medical assistant, dental hygienist, like all of these are, and a teacher is a big one. So helping people and being focused about people and the male dominated industries where they tend to be more disagreeable are all about things and like systems and not so much about like being nurturing or helping. So I think definitely women have, a lot of women have a strong suit with nurturing and helping people, which is reflected in the jobs that are women dominated, but those do tend to be lower, uh, lower paying. So they also tend to be uh, much higher in openness, which is like being creative, being in a creative field and needing a creative outlet, which those jobs also tend to pay less unless you kind of hit it big. Um, You know, artists tend to be paid less than engineers, let's say just the average uh, across the board. Of course, some have like very high-end art or make huge sales, and now there's definitely more ways to like get your art out there, whatever. But generally speaking, it seems like creative jobs pay less than things like engineers and systems and things like that. So people say, yeah, women tend to go into lower-paying fields, but it's because we're not encouraged to go into higher-paying fields, and it's because of sexism inherently. Maybe, I think that was true way back in the day. Like I remember my grandma telling me that she was really, really good at math in school and she went to this advanced math class and the teacher said like, why you shouldn't be doing math. You shouldn't be in this class because you're just going to be a typist. Like don't waste your time doing math class. Okay. That's clearly like, because she's a woman and they were expected to be typists. So yeah, in that case, you're not being encouraged to go into STEM. But today it's completely different. There are scholarships for women. I got a, I got a scholarship for just being a woman going to engineering, which I honestly, I'll do a whole other podcast about it, but I wish I would have turned that down, honestly, because um, I think it hurts women. I think it really, the quotas that they hit, there's like supposed to be a certain number of women in the engineering school to try to get diversity in there. But I think it really, really hurts women because you don't even 
know how many times I said that I was accepted into aerospace engineering school or I got a scholarship or something like that. And someone would ask me or or someone would just be like, oh yeah, well that must be nice because they really need women in there or they really need, um, they really need to get their diversity numbers up. So it must've been much easier for you to get in. So I think it really hurts women to have these quotas and these scholarships, um, specifically just for being a woman in STEM, because it kind of takes away what you did to actually earn it. People assume that it's because you're a woman and that you kind of got a handout to get there. Not that you got a really high GPA or a good score or anything like that. So that was a whole tangent, but basically it's not that women are not being encouraged to go to STEM. So many people in my high school, like we're encouraging STEM. We had girls who code. We did like these special clubs that you could code. You could go into STEM and teachers were pushing it all the time. So the encouragement or lack thereof, I don't think is an issue because it is so easy. Like you have it made if you're going to um, college as a woman in engineering now. Um, You'll get a lot of money and you have a much better chance to get in, honestly. So I don't think it's going to work to narrow the uncontrolled pay gap if like just by encouraging women to go into STEM more because they already are so encouraged to go into STEM. There's actually a study that shows that the more egalitarian a country is, so like making sure that the equality of outcome is is the same. Like so the um, Scandinavian countries have done the most across the board in in equalizing men and women. Um, It's seen around the world as like the example of equalizing men and women. Well, in those countries, less women tend to go to STEM, to go into STEM and pursue STEM degrees. So it's saying that it's not the cultural norm that decides if women want to go into STEM. The gap actually widens the more equal, quote unquote, men and women are in a country. So I, I don't think it comes down to a cultural norm or being sexist or anything like that. It seems to be, since that gap widens, the more egalitarian a country is, it seems to be that women just aren't as interested, which does go along with what they find in the Big Five uh, traits test of women being more agreeable and wanting careers focused on other people. One of the other biggest factors in this uncontrolled pay gap is working reduced hours, taking a significant amount of time off, quitting a job, or turning down a promotion. Um, All those, really one of the main reasons is because of a family. So you would take like an extended time off. I know when I have a a kid, I would like to go half time. Um, Clearly that's going to have some salary impacts, but most of that is because family of family care. And at least how Jordan Peterson explained it, it's because of, you know, as a woman, you have kind of like a biological clock that everyone talks about where you kind of have to have kids around the age of 30 to 35. And for men, it can happen much later. So for women, it's like everything has to really click in. You have a lot of life responsibilities coming together at the age of 30. You kind of have to have a family around then. I mean, I know there's definitely exceptions, but most women tend to have kids around 30 or 35. So you have to have your responsibilities in order and it tends to, you kind of see that women want to have a balance of work and family more than men do at the same age. It also is definitely inherently harder and more time intensive to have kids as a woman because again, you have to like breastfeed. There's a physical toll on the body from having kids. So it is harder on women, which is unavoidable, but it's going to be a trade-off. Like 
if you want a family and if you want a career, if you want a family, something has to be sacrificed. Um, and that is probably going to be your career. And if you really want to be like the CEO of your company, you may have to sacrifice some aspects of your family life. So like daycare or not having kids or, or putting off having kids for a while. So it is just, that is kind of an inherent fact is that it's going to be harder for women to have kids and that does affect the gender pay gap. It just has to be a conscious choice about if you want to have a family right now or if you want to have a career right now um, to the fullest extent of both is very hard. Um, But if you don't want to have kids, then that part of the pay gap definitely goes away. But it does tend, like some of these studies do show that most women want to have kids and then want to stay home more than men do. They're more willing to stay home and and sacrifice their career to be with their kids. That Again, kind of that motherly nurturing instinct um, in that agreeable category. They're more willing to do that than men do. So they tend to take more time off when they have a kid um, and uh, than men do. Those are the big things about the uncontrolled gender pay gap. Uh, Some of them, well, I wouldn't say any of them are unavoidable. You cannot have kids. Um, But yeah, some of them, if you want to have kids are just, it's just inherently harder to have kids as a woman because your body goes through a lot and it's more of a recovery time, but you can bounce back into the workforce. So let's look at the gender or the controlled gender pay gap now. So it's about two cents. And I don't know about everyone else, but I thought people were marching on the street for more than a two cent pay gap. Now, granted, it can add up over time, but two cents is pretty small. And I think it can be explained by the agreeableness and neuroticism that we've already touched on. So to ask for a raise, you need to be somewhat disagreeable. A lot of people are asking for money all the time and you have to know when to ask and what case to make to get the money that you think you deserve. So you're not just going in and asking. You're saying, I want more money and I have this option and I will leave if you don't give it to me. That's what negotiation is. So I have known lots of women at work who their time is up where they could technically ask for a raise and they don't do it or they don't negotiate, which I was one of those. I got an offer coming right out of college and I was so excited to be getting an offer out of college that I just accepted the first one. And then a year later, one of my friends who was also a girl uh, got an offer and negotiated and got thousands more than me, which on, which is, a you know, the 2% pay gap for, let's just throw out a hundred thousand dollars as your, as a man's salary, you know, that'd be $98,000 that you're getting, which is $2,000 difference. And she definitely got more than $2,000 when she negotiated. So that is something I learned is to just negotiate when you, when you need to. The other thing I think is relevant in going towards this 2% uh, number is that is the neuroticism component, which means like we, like I mentioned, you tend to skew towards negative emotions, uh, which is very good for child rearing and taking care of like a newborn. But it also means you're less likely to know the value you have in your team. So um, if you are constantly holding on to the negative things, you might downplay what you do for the team, what your role is, and the, the role you play on your team, the value that you bring, and your self-esteem tends to be lower. 
if you do gather enough courage to negotiate or you're disagreeable enough to negotiate, but you don't know your value on the team and you're shaky on why you should even get the raise, you're going to underestimate yourself, underestimate your value and underestimate your negotiation number. You're going to underestimate what you negotiate for. So that's a big thing to look out for as women to make sure that you know, like, I know a lot of companies have like a minimum time allowance they'll have for you to be on to ask for a promotion, but once that's up, you need to be asking. And then the other one is know your value on the team, like make a list of everything you've done for the year so you can look objectively and say, I add value to this team. I'm worth this much. Go look at your competitive jobs and see what they're paying and go make a case for yourself. Because if you aren't asking for money or you're asking for money in a not confident way, you're not going to get it. And I think that would more than make up the 2% of the pay gap. Also, I just wanted to point out this weird thing I saw in that payscale.com that I thought was kind of ridiculous. It quotes a study. Well, so one of the sentences says, even though the controlled pay scale is only 2%, it does not mean sexism is not in the workplace. And okay, that. I can give you that. Like, I'm sure there's some instances of sexism, not that I've really ever seen, honestly, but maybe I just work in a, the best place ever. And, um, but they say that does not mean that there's no sexism in the workplace. So then they reference a study. The study is by Pew Research. Pew Research says, okay, uh, how many of you guys have experienced sexism in the workplace? to which 42% of women said they have experienced gender discrimination at work. However, 25% of the discrimination that it outlines is women that say they got paid less than men. So, like, you can't have a circular argument like this. Just because they say just because the pay gap is small doesn't mean there's no discrimination. And they say the discrimination is because there's a pay gap, which they just said was extremely small. The other examples of discrimination that they cited were being treated as if they were not competent, getting having repeated small slights against them at work. They have less support from their management, passed over by uh, important assign passed over from important assignments. They feel isolated at work, denied a promotion, and being turned down for a job. Okay, I have an issue with a few of these. Actually, I have an issue with all of them, but I'll go through some of them. So the bottom two, being turned down for a job and being denied a promotion. Okay, that happens to everyone. Uh, To be fair, a very small amount, I think it was like 7% of people only post uh, reported this as the type of discrimination they were facing. But like a lot of people are denied promotions, no matter what your gender is, and have been turned down for a job. Like I've been turned down for a job. I've been turned down for a lot of jobs going for internships, but so have every, has every guy I know. So you can't say that that's just because of your gender. Also, that's illegal to deny someone for a job because of your gender. And I know at big companies like mine, you have to, as a manager, when you hire, go through the resume and show why you did not choose them. Um, so that they know it's fair and based off of experience and stuff like that, not something like gender. So those two were kind of annoying. Um, and I don't think you can say that that's because of gender. The other one is feeling isolated at work. Women are more extroverted. Uh, and this goes for support too. Women are more extroverted, want a lot more interaction at work and support in a group. Men are less isolated. And if you're in a male-dominated field where everyone is is introverted and you're an extroverted or and you're an extrovert, you're going to probably feel isolated at work. 
That one, I don't know if it's gender either. Um, and then the ones that say you're experiencing small slice at work and treat it as if you're not competent, this is where it gets down to your attitude about it, I think. And again, I'm sure that there are some people that are treating you like you're not competent or having small slights against you because you're a woman. I'm sure it exists. I don't think it's as common as everyone as this makes it sound because 99% of what I've experienced as someone being mean at work is not because of the gender of the person. It's just because they're mean in general to everyone. So like one time, I'll give an example. Um, One time I was in a lab in college during my sophomore year. And my sophomore year, I, I kind of was not paying attention to school as much. I was kind of like, I just wasn't paying attention, wasn't contributing. I didn't really care about engineering and I was kind of wrapped up in all the fun of college and not necessarily the schoolwork. So I remember I was in a lab and this guy called me out like straight up. He called me out and he's like, are you going to help on this lab like at all? Cause I was just talking to someone during a lab time and he's like, are you going to help on this lab? And I was like, oh shoot. Yeah. Um, I have not been doing enough work. So it came off as very mean. Like I could have claimed that it was because I was a girl and it came off as super mean, but he wasn't, he was being realistic and I wasn't doing enough for the team. So I basically got my stuff together and started helping with the lab group more, but you can't just assume that if someone is being super mean to you, it's because you're a woman. Like there's kind of a checklist you need to go in to be like, do we are our personalities mesh at all? Am I actually doing the work that I need? Is, are they mean to everyone else? This guy had no problem calling everyone out about it. It was not just because I was a girl and I also wasn't doing my work. But like almost every single person in college, if there's been a girl that I know that's so, that they've taken something as mean from a guy, it's because he's just mean to everyone. So I have a hard time just saying like 25% of women think that someone was mean because of their gender in the office because I've just, maybe I sound jaded, but I'm just in a field where so many women are kind of still playing the victim card and saying that, oh, this guy was mean to me because I'm a girl. Oh, they didn't listen to me because I'm a girl. Like someone said that they were being discriminated against because she raised her hand in a meeting and someone didn't call on her for a really long time. And she used that as an example of like being sexist. And I don't know, I feel like you don't raise your hand in a meeting, you just jump in. I feel like that has to do with the being agreeable. Like you can't always be super agreeable in a corporate setting and you have to jump in and interject and make your voice heard. And I think a lot of women don't have practice in doing that maybe. And so they take it as a slight against them as a woman instead of just like, okay, we got to adapt to have a more kind of cutthroat mentality in the corporate world and people aren't being mean to you because it's you're a girl. People are being mean to you because you won't jump in with your opinion or you're not doing the work or, you know, there's also going to be some assholes. Honestly, like there's going to be people that are mean and they're probably mean to everyone. And if it's just you, I don't know, it's better to assume that they don't like you, not that they're a woman. Unless they see something overt, I tend to just think, I tend to uh, uh, assume innocence on sexism until it's extremely until it's like actually obvious. So my overall takeaways about the gender pay gap is that all these numbers that people quote are not correct. The 81% that you hear is not correct in like corporate jobs. Now, the other thing that I might go into more later is Hollywood, because I have heard that 
even if in Hollywood women bring in women are like the only star of the movie like the biggest star and they bring in the same amount of money they do get paid less again i heard that hollywood is all about negotiation so it could come down to these like agreeable and neurotic uh neuroticism traits again um but maybe i'll do an episode about that one later but my big takeaways of this is like in the regular corporate job arena the numbers that everyone quotes about being like making 80 cents on the dollar is is just super misleading. Yes, uncontrolled, it's 80 cents. But people make it sound like if two engineers at the same level at the same time with the same experience are sitting next to each other, the woman will be paid less. But that number is 2% difference, which still can add up. But I think it is also explained by personality traits of men and women. I know that I definitely got burned on like non-negotiating because I was trying to be too agreeable and nice. And I was so thankful they already gave me a job that I'm not going to negotiate. Then I learned from one of my friends, no, can't do that. We're going to negotiate and I'm going to ask for raises. So I think that that's part of it is that women aren't told, hey, you need to ask for a raise and they get too timid. So that was a huge takeaway. It's It also, if you are a woman and want to make sure you are getting paid a lot of money, it's a good idea to go into one of these male-dominated fields like engineering or um, science or something like that, where because they get paid a really high salary. And so if this uncontrolled pay gap is mostly because of the industry you choose, uh, or that's at least one of the huge factors, go into an industry that is uh, more focused around things than of people. Um, and again, that may come at a cost of like, if you want to have a more people centered career, then you may have to expect that it is paid less unless you go into something like, uh, speech pathology, speech and language pathology. Um, and then the other takeaways are if you go, whatever field you go into, make sure you're advocating for yourself, negotiating, and you really take time to understand the worth that you bring to the team, the value you bring to your team, and be very aware of when to ask for money and to negotiate. You don't want to be too disagreeable, obviously, because they'll just be like, no, uh, we're not going to give you that. Um, but be a little disagreeable, practice your disagreeable skills a little bit in the corporate world and, uh, be bold enough to ask for more money. And then this one is, you know, maybe controversial because people are, I feel like are always looking for a chance to, you know, say it's sexist, but when you experience a slight at work or someone being mean to you or something that's less than preferable at work. It's just my recommendation to assume it's because they're mean uh, to everyone, not just because you're a woman. Because it's just going to be more enjoyable, honestly. Like I see these people who are constantly trying to find things that are sexist and how they can change the sexist work culture and all of this um, because they just need to follow this story that women shouldn't be in STEM, that they're breaking the odds, that they're doing all this stuff. But if you just assume that it's because they're mean or they don't like you or they just are not a great person, it's just so much more enjoyable. Like college was so nice for me because I was like, oh, he's probably just mean or whatever. Um, It's just not fun to be looking for it all the time, especially if it's usually not there. All the guys I know in at work 
maybe minus like one person is just super nice and super excited and very accepting of women in engineering. So don't be like on the lookout. Obviously, if something blatant happens, you should like report it and talk to your manager about it and, and all that. But just looking for things all the time probably isn't going to make the most fruitful time at work and you're not going to enjoy it as much. The other thing I wanted to mention is I really don't think that there is such a focus on getting 50% women in all of these positions. So like 50% in engineering, 50% in manager positions in engineering, 50% of um, like women should represent 50% in basically every industry. Well, there's also like a lot of men working in coal mines, you know, and no one's demanding 50% women on that. Um, 50% firefighters running into like burning buildings and no one's really demanding 50% women for that. It just seems like I think the number of women in a field is not as important as how women are treated in the field. So of course we want women to be like accepted and their voice heard and all of that uh, in whatever field they choose. But it's not necessarily important that 50% of, of people are women in each of these things. I think there needs to be room for to recognize that there may be differences in men and women's personalities and interests and things like that. And that leads them to different career paths. And that's totally okay. As long as everyone's being treated well in whatever career path they choose, it's totally good to have a mix of people in different career paths, but it doesn't have to be 50%. And I feel like there's really no end in sight for when a lot of feminists talk about how many women are in the field. So like recently there was a you know, organizational decision. And it so, just so happened that someone in a very high up position has like four managers under them and they all happen to be women. And I remember a lot of people in uh, my women in engineering group would were celebrating and saying, oh, there's all four women um, in these high positions of power. Um, isn't that so great? And if you really wanted feminism, if feminism was really just about equality between the sexes, it wouldn't be the biggest celebration that four out of four women, uh, four out of four of the managers were women. It would be a celebration that two out of the four were women, that they were equal if you really want equality. But it seems like even when we get 50% women, it's like never enough. They say, I will not be happy unless more than 50% of, of the people in the room are women, more than 50% of of these managers are women. And I just think that that is unfair, especially when you try to regulate equality of outcome in these fields across not just gender, but you could then say by race. So there needs to be more black women in management positions, more Hispanic women in positions of power. And at some point you can regulate it and split it across so many different factors that you know, it's impossible to, first of all, to regulate equality of outcome, but second of all, it discriminates against people, other people who have the right experience or job opportunities because you have to pick someone based on their skin color and gender. So, um, I don't think this is, that's a whole other topic equality of outcome versus equality of opportunity and stuff like that. But I just, the, the big takeaway was here is that I don't care how many people are in STEM. I don't care if it's 50% women, whatever. I only care if everyone's treated fairly and clearly what my grandma had happen where she was good at math and they said, oh, you're just going to be a typist. Don't take math. Like clearly I don't want that to happen. People should be encouraged to do whatever they would like. 
but just know if you're going to go into a field that's more people oriented, you might get paid less. And if you go into engineering, you should get treated equally uh, to a man. So um, yeah, the gender pay gap is not 20 cents on the dollar or whatever you were probably told. It is 98 cents on the dollar. And um, there's some definite character and personality traits that sort of go into explaining this. And if you are a woman, just be conscientious of those and just be aware that that might play a part into it. And you might have to be more assertive and ask for more um, than you think you should, because it just comes more naturally to men than it does to women. So that is all about the gender pay gap. I know that was probably pretty controversial. So um, anyway, DM me if you have any questions or resources or anything um, to follow up with this episode, DM me at a millennial learns on Instagram. And um, yeah, thanks for tuning into this week's episode. I really enjoyed it. And I hope you guys learned a lot. Thanks, everyone. Bye. That is all for this week's episode. Thank you so, so much for listening. I hope you liked it. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening from. And I would really appreciate if you would go rate and review this podcast on the Apple store. That is going to be how we continue to grow our millennial learns family and community. So come back every Monday morning at 8am Pacific time for a new episode and DM me any questions on Instagram. It's at a millennial learns. Go check me out. Follow me, DM me questions you have about this episode or any future topics you would like to see me dive into. Have an amazing week, everyone, and I will see you Monday.